Well, come on, somebody, make some noise if you're glad to be in church today. Welcome to those who are live and in person joining us today, those who are tuned in on television, online, or joining us from a prison or correctional facility or nursing home or hospital room. Church, would you put your hands together and welcome all of our friends and family, both near and far. Today we are uh, closing out our series, How to Be a Good. Anybody enjoying this series so far? Come on. How to be a good messenger, worshiper. The message I did with my wife, Katie, a few uh, weeks back, How to Be a Good Spouse. I thought the worship team did a great job last week, How to Be a Good Worshiper. Pastor Benny, How to Be a Good Messenger. Dr. Tim Elmore, How to Be a Good Leader. We've learned a ton the past six weeks, and I have purposefully chosen this topic to end with, how to be a good student. And I just want to make clear, I'm not talking about junior high, high school, or college students. I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to all of us, because isn't the goal of every follower of Jesus to day by day and step by step become continually more and more like him. Is that the goal? If you follow Jesus, you you are becoming. That's the goal. The plan is I want to become, and I'm not there yet. I've got some work to do, but, but to be good is to be like Jesus. And I think it's safe to say we all have some room for improvement when it comes to looking like Jesus. Can I get an amen from somebody? I, I'll just speak for me. I have some room to improve when it comes to looking more and more like Jesus. You're not going to listen to one message on this topic or one message on how to be a good spouse or one message on how to be a good parent or worshiper, and then just suddenly you're there. You're going to learn some things, and you got to apply what you've learned. It's step by step. It is day by day. And so that's why to be a good student is to be a lifelong learner, a student for life. And I would, I would even add it, of life, be a student of life. Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so to be a good student, a lifelong learner, is to be a student of Jesus. Amen. Be a student of life and be a student for life. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning seek guidance. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning seek guidance. And I want you to notice there's not an end, stop, point to learning. Just let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning seek guidance. There's no end to when should I stop seeking guidance. We should just be people who seek guidance guidance. We should be people of wisdom who learn to listen and are adding to their learning day by day because we all have some room for improvement in in probably every aspect of our life. And if you'd say, hey, I have some room for improvement. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I've still got a little bit more work to do to look like Jesus. I've still got some Holy Spirit transformation that is needed in my life if I'm going to look more like Jesus. And if you want to lean in today and you want to look a little more like Jesus tomorrow than you do right now, would you join me in asking Jesus to bless this time of ours together? Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power. 
Thank you for your Holy Spirit. We acknowledge right now your presence. We acknowledge right now our need for you. We acknowledge right now that we are nowhere close to looking like you. Not yet. None of us have arrived. We have much to learn. We have much room for improvement. We, we, there, are, there are ways in which we, we all need to grow. We need your wisdom daily, not just a one dose. We need your wisdom daily. We need to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit daily. And all throughout the day, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word today? That We would look a little bit more like you tomorrow than we do right now. It is in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. amen. And can we give honor to Jesus together? Come on, can you honor Jesus? At Polaris, can you honor Jesus? At Whitehall, in the Shore North, and in Hilliard, can you honor Jesus? In the prison, can you honor Jesus? I'm excited about today. Before we dive into today's message, though, let me just uh, share with you uh, one Note for next week, we are starting a brand new series next week on the book of Psalms. It is called Wisdom from the Psalms, and I cannot wait for us to dive into the book of Psalms together. I, I do, though, just feel like I need to give y'all a quick heads up because my hope and my prayer is that as we dive into these Psalms, that, that we together would see the Psalms in a brand new light. And what I mean by that is I was thinking about the Psalms, and I'm not sure why this is, but the Psalms have sort of taken on this, this kind of persona that it's a, a wimpy, whiny book written by weak and whiny men. Anybody ever think of the Psalms like, oh, I'm so desperate for you, Lord. I'm weak, and I'm hurting, and I need your strength. Just a bunch of complaining men, right? Just a bunch of whiny men. And, and I, I, I've often thought of the Psalms had a smell, it would be the smell of potpourri. Anybody? Um, and if the psalm were, were, were its own book, on the cover of the book would be a bunch of flowers. Like, I'm not sure why we approach the psalms like they were written for Hallmark and not for HBO. But I've got something to share with you next week, and you're, you're going to find out real quick that these psalms aren't made for Hallmark, that they are not destined for the shelves of a Cracker Barrel that smell like Thanksgiving 365 days a year. Those aren't the Psalms we're diving into next week. Matter of fact, if you consider the author of the Psalm, David, who wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms, I, I want to just kind of share this with you real quick, that David is not the, the clean-shaven, soft-spoken, easy-to-push-around, weak and timid, whiny man who wears a man bun and tom shoes and corduroy pants while he's driving through Clintonville in his Subaru. <laughs> if that's you, I'm cool with that. I don't have any problem with any of it. The man bun, the Subaru, the tom shoes, corduroys are back in. I'm just saying that's not how David would address. It's not what David would have wrote. It's not how David would have looked. David was a country boy. With calloused hands, he smelled like sweat, hard work, and sheep. He, he fought tigers and bears with his bare hands, and he cut off the head of a giant with the giant's own sword. And then he became king, and not just any king. David was a warrior king. He was a battle-tested king. He lived his whole life with dirt under his fingernails and maybe even the blood of men. 
Matter of fact, David killed more men that are in this room today, and if that doesn't freak you out, I don't know what will. He killed so many men. The men of Israel wrote a song about David in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 7. It says, Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. He was a strong and mighty man. He was a man's man, and yet he was not close to being perfect. Just ask one of his multiple wives. He was not even close to being perfect, but he wrote a ton of the Psalms. Solomon was king after David, David's son. He wrote a few of the Psalms. Moses, who was a leader of leaders, he wrote the oldest Psalm. And what I love about uh, the book of Psalms is these are raw and descriptive letters and prayers. And some of them are meant to be songs addressed to the Lord. And, and again, that, that can sound kind of weird until, uh, men, you, you find a song or you hear a song that you like to sing. And what do you do? You turn it up and you sing it loud and you sing it proud. And, and that, is, that is the Psalms. Even Satan, I want you to think about this, even Satan used the Psalms as he tried to tempt Jesus. And, and all you need to know about that is you, you don't take something soft and flimsy and powerless when you're going to battle against the king of kings. Come on, you take something trustworthy and true. You take something powerful and battle-tested. And I just want you to know, these are the Psalms that we're gonna study starting next week. Anybody ready to study the Psalms? Come on, to see the Psalms in a brand new light. So if you're a man, you need to be here next week. I'm not just talking to men, but the Psalms have a lot to say to men. If you have a man, you need to get your man to church next week. Sunday is officially get your man to church Sunday next week. Just bring him. If you're not a man, again, the Psalms have a lot to say to all of us, but I cannot, I cannot wait. The first Psalm is blessed is the man, and I just can't wait to share with you what the Lord has put on the heart of our team next week. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. Let's dive into today's message. The wise listen and add to their learning. The discerning seek guidance. The, the wise listen and add to their learning. If you have breath in your lungs, you're not done learning. If you're the smartest person in the room, you still have room to learn. And I've often said, even when I'm the only person in the room, I'm not the smartest person in the room because I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. Come on. So even when I'm the only person in the room, I'm actually not the only person in the room. I have something to learn and to gain from the Spirit of God inside of me. So don't let this title confuse you, throw you off, and make you think I'm talking to somebody else. We all have room for improvement in our life. I love what Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8 says of the wise, that the wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. Now, if you take those first two Proverbs, Proverbs 1, 5 and Proverbs 10, 8 that I just shared with you, and you put them together, you're going to see a pattern emerge. And the pattern is that the wise listen, fools talk a lot. The wise are happy to be instructed and add to their learning, but it's also assumed that a fool is not too fond of being instructed, will not add to his, her learning, will not seek guidance. And so the, the question really is, do you want to be a wise person or do you want to be a babbling fool? 
Because a person who is wise is a listening person. A wise man is a listening man. A listening man is a learning man. A learning man never stops learning. He is a a learner, a student for life. She is a learner, a student for life. This is the the life that we've been called to. Do, Do you want to be a learner for life? Do you want to be a student of life and for Life. If the answer is yes, I, I want to grow, I want to be better, I want to look more and more like Jesus, then embrace the Spirit of God, embrace the Word of God, and don't stop learning and seeking wisdom. Amen? Because we all know what a babbling fool looks like. I'm going to give you three examples of a babbling fool. We all know a know-it-all. Come on, how many of you know a know-it-all? You're sitting next to them. (laughs) Let me just talk to the know-it-alls for a moment. If you are the know-it-all, you're the only one who thinks you know it all. Everybody else around you just knows you're an idiot. Come on. They just, (laughs) if you think you're a know-it-all, you're the only one who thinks that. Nobody else thinks that about you. And if I can just give you some encouragement, the moment you realize that you don't know it all, you will be well on your way to having some more friends in life. You're going to realize people will like you even more than they do right now. A know-it-all doesn't matter if you're talking about the Astros or astrophysics or business strategies or Beyonce lyrics or the Rocketeers or rocket science. A know-it-all knows it all. Here's what Proverbs chapter 15 verse 22 says, that plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. It's not just a plan that fails. How many of you know there's always a person or people behind the plan? So when a plan fails, it's really people failing for a lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Those who trust in their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. And again, if you put those two passages together, you see something emerging, this, this pattern emerging. And the pattern is that, that, that walking in wisdom and in safety means I am never walking alone. Amen. It means I'm not walking alone. We all know the, the babbling fool that is the, the been there, done that person, the, the person you just can't ever seem to impress. They, they always have something to say. I, I've been there, done that. Like, like if you uh, climb the highest mountain, I've been there, done that, says I've been there, done that, and I've done it three times. It's the, the been there, done that person. They never, they never are interested really in what, you're doing or what you have to say, Proverbs 18.2, it's the person that looks like this. A fool has no interest in understanding. They only ever want to air their own opinion. They only ever want to hear themselves talk. I remember the first time I, I met a, a, a pastor, and, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you who he is, but you, you would know this pastor. The church that he leads is, is a global church. It is a massive church. Their music is, is touching every corner of the world. They're influencing churches worldwide, an incredibly amazing ministry. And I, I met this pastor quite a few years ago. Our church was just a few years in. And, and when I realized that I was going to have about an hour to spend with this particular pastor, I had all sorts of ideas as to the questions that I wanted to ask 
What has this been like for you? What have you learned along the way? What do I need to be focused on that I might not be focused on right now? What were some of the pitfalls that you fell into? What, what are some of the mistakes you've made that maybe I can learn from? And, and, and as I got close to asking the first question, he asked a question and then another question and then another question. And it was wild to me because I'm thinking, I need to be learning from you. You are so much further down the road than I am. But I literally had to like fight for my time to ask a question, break through, interrupt the man and say, hey, I'm gonna stop you right there because I've got some questions for you. Some of the best leaders I've ever met in my life are the best question askers. Why? Because a fool thinks his own way is always right, but the wise listen to others. The wise listen. It's a pattern. Here's, here's the last babbling fool. Everybody knows a, a one-upper, right? No matter what you do, they, they can do it even better. But the wise listen and become even wiser. The, the, the wise learn intentionally, are growing intentionally, place themselves intentionally in an environment where their thinking in their mind and their heart is going to be stretched. Their courage is going to be challenged. Their faith is going to be tested. So what does a student for life really look like? I would say it this way. A student for life knows how to listen, knows how to learn, knows that the more you listen, the more you will learn. One thing that I was taught by a mentor early on, and I've taught our team this, and it's sort of a pet peeve of mine, and it's that when you go into a meeting, you don't go into a meeting without something to write on. You take a pad of paper with you and a pen, or you take an iPad, or you, 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 listen, I actually prefer you not take notes on your phone because you look like you're just texting your mom when you do that, but, but if you have to, if that's all you got, just make sure the person knows I'm taking notes on my phone, I'm not texting anybody, I'm not ordering takeout, for after this meeting, I, I need to write some things down. But if I've ever been to a conference, if you want to go to that same conference, just ask me for the conference notes. I will basically hand you a transcript of every session of the conference that I've sat in because I've got my iPad and I am typing out almost word for word what every single person is saying so I can go back and listen and read and learn again. James 1.19 says this, the, the quick, be quick to listen, be slow to speak. I had an opportunity Several years back to, to, to sit with Pastor Rick Warren, he's been called America's pastor. Just a, an extremely wise and intentional leader. And, and I, I remembered he said something about learning from his critics. So I went back and I found my notes from when he was sharing with me how he learns from his critics. And he said, he said Chad, I, I even learned from people who criticize me. And I'm so much smarter than my critics. And I said, how, how do you figure that? He, he said, well, listen, because the people who criticize me, they never take time to actually hear me. They're not, they're not listening to me. All they do is hurl criticism. So they only know what they know. But because I hear them, and, and oftentimes when I'm criticized, there might be some sort of kernel of truth somewhere in that. Maybe I can learn from it. Maybe there's not. But either way, when I hear them, I now know what they know and I know what I know, which makes me double smart as they are. <laughs> I thought, well, that's pretty good. I'm going to write that down. Wisdom from America's pastor. A student for life is humble. 
and knows that there is always more to learn. With humility comes wisdom. Now, one thing I've discovered is that there's not a lot of difference in how humility feels and sometimes how humiliation feels, only that um, when I choose humility, that is something that I choose to embrace, but humiliation just sometimes happens in life. But they kind of both feel a bit the same. When you humble yourself, it's not always easy, but when you're humiliated, it's much worse. And I've always said this, that the Lord does have a way of humbling the proud, and I would rather much humble myself before the Lord than to give him reason to humble me, because I'm telling you, when you humble yourself, it's a whole lot easier, and it feels a whole lot better than when you force the Lord's hand to humble you. That hurts, amen? And a lot of us have, have forced his hand once or twice in our life, and we've been humbled by the Lord, and it hurts. Student for Life has a desire to grow, and to improve, and to be better. A Student for Life not only desires to grow, but, but, but embraces a, a willingness to embrace correction receives correction. A student for life embraces correction. A student, a student for life invites, invites feedback, asks for feedback, is willing to learn. I, I remember the, the first time I spoke at my pastor's church, Pastor Rick Bizet, who pastors a church called New Life in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, I spoke there several years ago, and as I was thinking about it this week, it's actually the only time I ever spoke at his church, so take that for what it's worth. He has invited me once. He has not invited me again. <laughs> but at the time, they, they were running about 17,000 people, and uh, they, they did two Saturday night services and three Sunday morning services, so preaching five times the same message. Now, this is my pastor's church. First time in Hopefully not the last time, but it was the last time I've ever been invited to speak. I wanted to make a good impression. So I planned my butt off. I mean, I studied like crazy. I, I made sure I had the best message I could possibly have. And I remember preaching the five o'clock. Pastor Rick wasn't there, but Darren DeLong was there. And Darren is the, kind of like the executive pastor. And Darren's been a lifelong friend or, uh, and uh, just a, a, an incredible mentor to Katie and me and to our team. And uh, man, I love Darren. He's so encouraging. One of the most encouraging people I know besides Pastor Rick. I preached at five o'clock. I walked off the platform. I was feeling pretty good. I heard some amens. I felt like there was some leaning in. I'm pretty sure the church is going to invite me back. I look at Darren, I don't even ask for feedback. Darren goes, hey, uh, real quick, before the seven, do you think that you might have a personal story that you can share? Maybe after point one, maybe also after point two, I feel like you didn't really bring anything super personal and it would be really helpful, I think, for people to understand what you're trying to say if you brought something personal into the message. And I thought, okay, well, that was fast, but sure, I'll bring something personal. He goes, I'm sure you have a story. And I'm, I'm like, I'm already texting my wife. Do we have a story that I can share? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. I got, I got 25 minutes before I got to preach this again. And now I have to add notes. And, and then he said, and, and oh, hey, I think maybe you might've spent a little too much time on this point over here. If you can just kind of shorten that up a bit and maybe spend a little bit more time. And I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm starting to freak out. So I, I preached the seven and I, I felt like I gave 
it all I had. I, I put the feedback in the message and I walked off stage. He goes, hey, that was better, but here's a few more thoughts. <laughs> now I'm thinking I've just preached it twice. Here, I'm two and done, y'all. Like I, I go home and sleep after preaching twice. On a Saturday night, I'm thinking I'm going back to the hotel. I'm going to take it easy, wake up the next morning, do it again. Now, I feel like I've got to rewrite the whole stinking message just to make this man happy. Now, I had to remind myself in that moment that Darren is a friend, not a foe. Because sometimes the enemy will get in our head and he'll, he'll make us think that that feedback or even perhaps criticism is driven by, by this desire to see us fail. But when we, we, we can be reminded that, hey, I've got some friends in my life. I have some people that I trust who love me enough to tell me the truth and they're for me, which is why they're bringing this to me. They don't want to see me fail. They want to see me grow and get better. And when I reminded myself that he's a friend, I was able to sort of sleep that night. I got up and you know what? The nine o'clock Sunday morning was better than the seven on Saturday night. The 11 o'clock on Sunday morning was better than the nine. The one o'clock on Sunday, because it was a morning and I'd already done priesthood four times and I was tired, it was not the best that I'd preached. And I'm just glad that not as many people were there to see it. But I got back to my hotel room after all those services and feeling like the one o'clock was worst of all five services. And I, 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 I thought to myself, I just need to write myself a psalm to make me feel better. <laughs> I now know how David felt as he was lamenting to the Lord. And so I wrote Psalm 150 and one, if you'd like to hear it. I, <laughs> I really, it was my, my two options were crawl into a hole and die or sit in my room and cry and write a psalm. So I did. Anybody want to hear it? It's going to be added into future translations for our children, their children. Oh Lord, my heart is heavy. My palms are sweaty. Knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on my sweater already. It's mom's spaghetti. I'm nervous, but God, on the surface, I look calm and ready to drop bombs, but he keeps on forgetting to just tell me that I did a good job. His critique is heavy. I'm ready to open my mouth, but the words just won't come out. I'm choking now. The clock's run out. It's nine o'clock already, and God knows that I'm so far from home, but the beat goes on. to the dumb da da dumb. That's Psalm 150 and 1. Some of y'all didn't know I had that in me. <laughs> Some of you are going to look for a new church now that you know that I have that in me. <laughs> Come on, we all made mistakes in high school. We listened to things we shouldn't have listened to. Some of us in high school. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend will sharpen a friend. That's real. It's really in your Bible. As iron sharpens iron. Dr. Tim, last, last week, the week after last, Two weeks ago, three weeks, I don't remember, when Dr. Tim was here, we walk off the stage, nine o'clock. I wasn't feeling super good about the nine. And uh, so I said, hey, Dr. Tim, I don't know. I feel like we can do better. He said, you know what, Chad? I think we can do better. He goes, I think that maybe I used too many business illustrations. Maybe I could go a bit deeper into the word and use some biblical illustrations. And I said, that would be a good idea. 
Maybe I can actually help set you up by rephrasing some of my questions. Maybe I can tee you up a little bit, and I think the whole thing's going to flow a bit smoother. And come 11 o'clock, we spent all the time between the two services figuring out how we could make it better. And this is a man who speaks three, four, five times a week, coaches some of the world's greatest leaders and CEOs, and still he was willing to make the 11 better than the nine. One more story. Can I share one more story? Because I have, I have Darren DeLon in my head. You don't share enough personal stuff. Okay, Darren, I hope you're watching today. Please have me back. I would like a redo. I would like a, a do-over. Come on, man. It's been like six years. Still my pastor. Man, I see all the guests you invite. All kinds of my friends are preaching at your church, and I'm not preaching at your church. Man. <laughs> not too many months before we recorded our first live worship recording. Anybody excited about the songs that we've been singing? Evidence and <laughs> praise the Lord and <laughs> testify what it sounds like. Amazing songs, right? So Nathan Montgomery, he heads our worship team. He's an incredible songwriter, producer. Our whole, our whole team collaborates, our whole team writes, but Nathan's kind of the, the driver behind that. He, he corrals everybody together. He, he called me and he said, hey, Pastor Chad, I want you to, um, I want to see if you have some time this week. I want to sit down with you and I want to share with you some song ideas that we have for the new worship recording. And uh, he said, we actually have 52 song ideas. But I've narrowed it down to the top 10. I want you to hear the top 10. I think you're gonna be really excited. And I said, sure. So I planned some time. I went and sat down with him. And he said, okay, we're gonna walk through the top 10. I said, let's go. He starts playing song one. We get about halfway through. I said, hey, let's hear song two. He starts playing song two. We get about a quarter of the way in. I'm not feeling it, but I'm not gonna tell him this yet. So I said, hey, what about song three? We start listening to song three. I let it get all the way to the bridge. I say, how about song four? Haven't listened to a full song yet. What about song five? What about song six? What about song seven? What about song eight? Somewhere between five, six, seven, and eight, I started, my stomach just sort of dropped. I was feeling really, really discouraged. And so I made up a meeting that I was late to so I could leave. I said, oh, you know what? Oh, dang, yeah, I got somewhere to be. Where I needed to be was all alone in a room so I could just be like, how am I going to give Nathan this feedback that I didn't like anything I heard? So the next day I called him and I said, hey, can we sit down? He said, sure. I said, all right, come to my office. He sits down. I said, hey, Nathan, I have some feedback from the listening session. He said, great, I'm ready to hear it. I said, okay, I'm not sure that's true, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> I said, Nathan, here's my feedback. If you have 52 song ideas and I just heard the best 10, I would suggest you throw away all 52 song ideas and start again. Now, how many... Young leaders, how many, like, you've been leading for decades and decades would say, that's some hard feedback. Like, I don't know if I could even receive that kind of feedback. That would hurt. That would be painful. Nathan smiles. He looks at me and he goes, all right, that's good. I said, what do you mean? I said, what do you mean that's good? He goes, no, no, Pastor Chad, this is good. It's exactly what I needed to hear. I like this. I said, you like this? He goes, no, I, I, I like this. He goes, I, but I, I do think there's some gems in these songs. I said, no, I do too. I heard, I heard some gems in the songs, but, but just no song was complete. 
He said, well, we've, we've sort of shifted our process a little bit. And um, I, actually, I actually think I know how to address this. Just give me a few more weeks. But, but there's some gems in there. Do you agree? And I said, I agree. There's some gems in there. There's some good ideas. There's just not a full song yet. A few weeks go by. He sends me a song. Hey, Pastor Chad, listen to this when you're in your car. Um, it's a song called Praise the Lord. A couple weeks later, hey, um, take a listen to this. I think we might call this one Testify. Hey, uh, uh, Pastor Chad, here's one we've been working on. It's called Living Proof. Here's another one, what it sound like. Here's another one, Evidence. And I'm telling you, that whole live worship recording came together in about a two, three-week span. At least that's what it felt like to me. And it came from a leader and from a team who was willing to embrace correction, who was willing to hear instruction, who, who, who actually loves correction and instruction. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, verse one, to learn you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. See, some of y'all didn't even know your Bible talked to you like that, but that's the word of God. It's just dumb to hate correction. Lifelong learners, what do they do? Number one, they look for it. They initiate. They ask for feedback. They, they ask the Lord, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God for it, who will give generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to you if you just ask the Lord for it. Some of you, you lack wisdom. You have not because you ask not. Engage a mentor. Engage a mentor. The best mentors in my life, I, I chased after them. Pastor Rick, I asked him. All the mentors in my life, I had to go looking for them. And let me just give you a little secret. The best mentors in your life won't have time for you. You have to convince them to make time for you. Matter of fact, if somebody comes up to you and says, I feel like I'm supposed to mentor you, they're probably a creep. <laughs> you might should seek counsel. Let's, 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 let's get in a place where two or three are gathered together and agree, amen? Don't stop learning. Initiate, ask the Lord for it. Find somebody who's two, three, four, five, six, seven steps ahead of you, and they're doing it well. Find somebody that's doing what you do or doing what you want to do, and they've been successful, and you learn from them. Just, just, just bug them until they can't say no, and they just give me 15 minutes, give me a half hour, let, 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 me, let me take you out to coffee, I, I want to pick your brain. They implement lifelong learners. They don't just learn, but they, they put to practice what they learn. And there's a verse for that too. It's James 1.22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. It's not just what we learn that's new. It's what we do with what we've already learned. It's what we do with what we already know. Matter of fact, I got some feedback from the message my, my wife and I did together, and it was, I understand the feedback. It was feedback that said, look, I, I kind of wish that, you know, maybe we could have gone a little bit deeper into the kind of um, biblical foundations of marriage for some of us more seasoned folks. It would have been nice to kind of dive in a bit deeper, and I've heard that a few times in my life since we launched our church 12 years ago, and I understand it completely, but, but I just want to say this. When it comes to marriage, for instance, if I've heard it one time, I've heard it a hundred times, you always know what you did wrong. 
How many, how many people have you met who, who are on their way to a failed marriage or already have, have suffered a failed marriage and you talk to them and, and, and the guy's like, I know I shouldn't have talked to her, but I did. Or she's like, I know I shouldn't have gone out with him, but I, I did. I know I shouldn't have said what I said, but I, I did. I know I shouldn't have been where I was, but I, I went anyway. I, I know I knew better, but I did it anyway. Because see, so oftentimes in life, it's not the new stuff that we need to learn. It's, it's what are we doing with what we already know? A new believer and a seasoned believer, we all get up in the morning and put our pants on one leg at a time. Can I get an amen from somebody? We all have to, we, we, we can't forget the basics. And, and I don't even think we're a basic church, but I'm just saying sometimes we just have to be reminded of the basics. And if I can just encourage some of you to, to take a step, here are some things that you know that maybe you've not yet taken a step to do. If you're saved, let me give you this example. If you're saved, but you've not been baptized yet, what are you waiting for? Be baptized. Next water baptism is Sunday, November 12th. You should have November 12th circled, underlined, highlighted in your Bible, on your calendar, not in your Bible, on your calendar. Put a, put a little sticky note on, on the mirror that you brush your teeth in front of, the mirror that hates you because it sees you at your worst every single day. Come on. Put a little sticky note on your refrigerator. November 12th, I, I, I was saved today. I'm being baptized November 12th. I was saved six weeks ago. I'm getting baptized November 12th. I was saved 16 years ago. I'm getting baptized November 12th. If you've been to Rock City Connect, but, but you've not yet taken the step to actually connect, you know it's better to be in a small group. You know it's better to serve, to show up and, and serve, to give of yourself. You know it's gonna make you Better, what are you waiting for? If you've not been to Rock City Connect yet, the next Connect is Sunday, October 8th at every location. And Rock City Connect, we know and you know, it is the best way to get to know us our mission, vision, values, how we operate. You can peek under the hood of this church and, and we get to know you and you get to know others in this church, you know it's going to make your experience better because you're not just walking through the doors of a, of a large church not knowing anybody. You, you've gone to connect. You, you've engaged in the process. You're meeting new people. And you get an awesome free meal, come on somebody, on Sunday night, October 8th at every location. If you're watching on television or online, but you're able to be with us at one of our physical locations, you're, you're able to. You you know that it's better to join together with other brothers and sisters, followers of Jesus. You know where two or more are gathered together in my name. Jesus said, there I am in the midst of them. You know that God says, I inhabit the praises of my people. And you know it's better to surround yourself with the family of God than to remain separated and isolated in your home and all by yourself, just watching a message. God has more for you. Amen. I just want to challenge you with some things that you already know. This is a big one. Might not sound big to you, but it's actually big when you consider our mission of making heaven full. If you're sitting at a nine or 11 o'clock, particularly at Hilliard or Polaris, and you look around and, and week after week, you realize, man, if I'm if I'm like just a few minutes late, I'm having a hard time finding a seat. Worship's already going. If I bring six people with me, I'm having a hard time sitting 
together. We, we are often in those services at or beyond capacity. And when a room is 70% full or more, statistics show this time and time again that, that you are done reaching new people. You are limited in your ability to reach new people because a new person shows up and feels like there's just... There's no room for me. You're not ready for me. You've not put out enough seats and we've put out all that we can put out. And so when I see that the one o'clock at our Polaris location and Hilliard location has a ton more capacity, here's what I can promise you. It is just about as much of a guarantee as I can give you. That if three to 400 people at Polaris and if three or 400 people at Hilliard would say, I'm gonna vacate my nine or 11 o'clock seat and I'm going to attend at least until we open our new Polaris auditorium about a year and a half from now, at least between now and then I'm gonna vacate my seat at nine or at 11 and I'm gonna attend a one o'clock or maybe a night service where we offer night services. I can just about guarantee you that perhaps even by the end of the year, give us six months, but it might even be by, by December, by the end of the year, your vacated seat will be filled with somebody new. I, I can just about guarantee that. You're like, how can I help reach somebody for Jesus? How can I make heaven full? It could be honestly as simple as vacating your seat at nine or 11, even if it's just for the next year or so. And going to a one o'clock service, you, you're, you're giving up your convenience for somebody else's. And I just think that's a, a real good thing to do sometimes. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on. And it's okay. Look, if y'all, if y'all do it next week and I'm preaching to nobody at the nine, I'll still be okay with that because give it a few weeks, this room is gonna be full again. It's gonna be full again. It will be full again. And if you're not a giver today, I would just encourage you. You know that it's better to give than to receive. Just put to practice what you know. Lifelong learners are always improving, always getting better. The apostle Paul in Philippians chapter three, verse 12 and 13 and 14, he says this, not that I've already obtained or arrived at my goal, but I press on, I press on. The apostle Paul is doing two things here. He, he's, he's showing us how he's in a constant mode of improvement, but he's also doing this, what a lifelong learner does. A lifelong learner will inspire others to grow, to be better. Paul, as he writes those words, he's not just saying, here's what I do. He's saying, hey, so you ought to do the same thing. At least consider doing the same thing. You you look good today, but you can look better tomorrow. You might be close to God today, but you could be closer to God tomorrow. Oh, this church is reaching a lot of people right now, but we could reach a whole lot more people starting next week if we could open up some more seats at 9 and 11, particularly again at Polaris and at Hilliard. My God, if we would just do some of the simple things, simple things, if you've not been baptized, but you've been saved, the most powerful step of obedience, I believe, is, is that step to be water baptized. And just as the heavens were open above Jesus and God the Father looked down and said, there's my son. I'm well pleased with him. I believe when we take that step and we're water baptized, and it's one of the reasons we water baptize outside, no matter how hot or how cold it is outside, because we believe the open heavens 
are shining down on us and that God the Father is looking down on us and the angels in heaven are celebrating with us. And I just want to encourage you to mark your calendar, to be ready. What's one thing that you can focus on in the coming week? You can grow in that area. You can learn something new. You can get better or you can put to practice something you already know. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And my hope with this final message in this series is to do just that. Can I encourage somebody to take another step? to grow a bit deeper in your relationship with the Lord, to be a little better, a little more Christ-like tomorrow than you are right now. Would you stand up on your feet at every location? Polaris stands, Whitehall. Whitehall's off the hook, by the way. Whitehall's awesome. Short North, would you stand and bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. We've just heard. Now, may we be doers of your word, not just hearers only. May we take a step that perhaps we've sensed in our heart. You've called us to step into this coming week. I pray, Lord, for those who are here right now, you're not saved. You don't know that your sins have been forgiven, but you want to know right now. The Bible says we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The wage of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. How can you be better? You can call upon the name of Jesus. He's going to save you. He's going to forgive you of your sin. No matter who you are, where you are, what you've done or where you've been. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me through and through of all the unrighteousness in my life. I receive salvation from you now. I receive freedom from you now. I receive your Holy Spirit who will now dwell within me. Beginning in this moment, would you lead me, Holy Spirit, according to your will and by your word, that I would live the life you created me to live, a life that makes a difference, a life that makes heaven full. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said, Amen. Can we make some noise for Jesus? Come on. Can we praise him? Can we celebrate Jesus?